Bugs, 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 bugs. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, Baby. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lindsay. Today, we are going to discuss Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm good. We were just talking about how it's freezing in San Diego. (laughs) It is hot in Fairfield. It's hot in my room. I don't know if it's actually hot in Fairfield. I have been stuck in this room all day, but you know what? It's okay. Life will be okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's just one of those weeks. But honestly, like this book kept me on edge and it kept my adrenaline going. So I was like, I just have to know what happens next. And I just totally. picked it up and I would like that's, read it for like 20 minutes. Yeah, that's how I felt too. And it's so funny. So I read it late and I say late because it was a Reese book club pick a while ago. I had recently picked it up in the summer of last year. I really enjoyed it. And obviously there's so much going on so many different plot points, you know, so many different things happening that I feel are packed in little book that deserve oh, yeah. a little bit more time and attention. Oh, yeah. But I really enjoyed it. But then like lately, before like the show came out, I kind of started seeing reviews where people are like, I just didn't get it. I didn't feel anything from it. And or like it didn't do anything for me. I just find very interesting because I loved it so much. And I'm glad that you liked it too. And that oh, yeah. it kept you on edge. I'm excited to talk about it. And I finished watching the show last week. The last episode aired on Hulu, but you haven't seen the show yet. Not yet, but it's okay because I have heard that it sticks actually pretty closely to the book. Yeah, so I'm excited about that because I'm like, I'm going to know exactly where this is going. I like what they do too. They definitely elaborate a lot more on certain things. And then there's more emphasis like in the in the book, Mia, her race isn't specified. And when I read it, they had already casted Carrie Washington. So I read it with her in mind. But in the show, obviously, she is black. And and that's the race part is a huge, huge part of her and Elena's relationship. And uh, just this this town is just very interesting. Yeah. And actually, it's so funny that you mentioned that because you had actually mentioned that to me once before. You had said they don't specify her race, but in the show, they make her black. You didn't elaborate, but you all you said was you'll understand it when you read the book that that was a good choice. And literally, by the time I got to her asking her to be her cleaning lady I was like well damn there we go the way that she kind of looks down on Mia too in my head I'm like yeah she's treating her like she's better than her and it's so funny during a lot of the book she's talking about how in Shaker Heights race isn't an issue and I'm like well even if in the book she wasn't meant to be black it's like well maybe race isn't an issue quote unquote to you but clearly class is an issue well and that's the thing too it's not even racism it's also classism and all these elements that come together that make elena who she is Mm -hmm. and mia who she is and how they just horribly horribly clash and and do not get along and so that's one thing that i did really enjoy i love that this book from no matter what perspective if you're on elena's side or mia's side or whatever way you look at it Mm -hmm. they're strong 
women who know what they want and are very vocal about it, definitely outspoken about what they want and how they're going to go about doing it. And so I really, really enjoyed reading women like that. Yeah just don't see that a lot. You get all this backstory. I want the backstory. I want the reasons behind their actions. I want that all explained to me. And I want the women to be normal women, women who I could see myself knowing. I could see myself knowing an Elena and knowing a Mia. And they're written so well that they just kind of leapt off the page. And in the show, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly how I pictured everything playing out. So... Yeah, they're very, it's funny, they're very civil towards each other. But Elena, when you're reading her bits, it's almost like you're reading this fire just building up inside her. And you're like, oh, she's gonna blow. But But Mia... Same same with Mia, too. Well, and maybe... So sorry, it has been a little bit since I read I read the book last June or July. But watching the show, Mia is just full force ahead, just like you just explained of of Elena. Yeah. This this fire building in her that just at the very end just kind of bursts see, open and see, yeah. I didn't even get that. I didn't get that from yeah. Mia. From Mia, for me, it was a slow burn. It wasn't even a burn, really. I felt Mia was so confident in everything that she did in every Mm -hmm. choice that she made she knew who she was and I think that it really took her brother passing and Mm -hmm. her keeping Pearl and everything I think it took those situations those scenarios for her to realize who she was and at that moment she became so confident in herself and actually I wrote down a quote that I love it was Mia realized she was crossing into a place she would have to go alone. There were so many choices that Mia made throughout the book, especially throughout her life, I should say. And it built this strong foundation for this strong woman and all of her situations. It was like a strong wind was pushing her during the present moment where it was like, you know, she was dealing with Pearl and Elena and Lexi and Izzy. It was like the strong wind was blowing and pushing her, but she had this strong foundation and could not be pushed over. Whereas with Elena, I felt like she was constantly in a state of almost collapsing. Kind of how I felt with her. I felt like one of them was just already knew who she was, but then the other one was putting on a facade. Right. Well, and also with Elena, I think that she did kind of hit the wall with how her life had turned out and Mm -hmm. how she was seeing that her daughter Izzy and even Lexi at some points favored Mia. And to Elena, she's like, why would you favor Mia over me? Like I've done everything right, you know, in quotation marks, right. Mm -hmm. Why would you choose her over me? I'm your mother. Just Mia coming into her life rocked Elena's world too. And I think that Elena was also a little bit jealous of Mia, that Mia was able to be confident, free, not tied down to the life that Elena was tied down to. So I really, I think that that was a big part of how everything kind of came tumbling down for Elena too. To give everyone backstory on this book, uh, essentially it's a story of a mother and daughter who moved to this place, Shaker Heights. They're renting a home from the Richardsons, which is Elena, her four kids, and her husband. While her daughter Pearl gets closer to the Richardsons, the youngest Richardson daughter, Izzy, 
becomes very close to the mother, Mia. She's kind of the black sheep of her family. And so while these relationships start building, start building, this secret kind of comes out about Mia, or it's at least brought to the surface. And then Elena, the mother who is very well off, she's a person who plans every aspect of her life. She goes on to start digging into Mia's past. She wants to learn basically this dirty secret about Mia. And during this whole time, also, there's some coming of age stories with the children, people losing their virginities and stuff like that. Few people actually. And then at the same time, there is a legal issue that ends up happening where a friend of Mia's actually left her daughter at a fire station and went back later because she was like, I changed my mind. But baby was gone. Baby was adopted. Turns out that the baby was actually adopted by Elena's friend. And so it would, I thought was so interesting because it's like, these two women have nothing to do with this situation. Neither right. of them. It, it is literally, okay, here's Bibi, the the mother, the uh, biological mother of the child. Here are the McCulloughs, the people who are raising this child. So the dispute's between them. Right. But Mia and Elena have become entangled in this yes. situation. Well, and that becomes the source of the animosity between Mia and Elena too. That that kind of is what kickstarts this fire to use the, you know, the concept <laughs> of the book because, you know, Mia was doing her own digging around to f- figure out that this was even Bibi's baby in the first mm-hmm. place that, you know, Bibi was like, oh, she has a, a birthmark in this place. Like you can check and, you know, and, and Mia did all that and did her digging and Elena realizing that she had let Mia into her life and subsequently her her friends' lives as well, that Elena felt responsible for Mia coming in and t- and essentially ripping this baby away from from her f- from her best friends. And so that's where the the legal battle comes in where it's terrible, you know that these this family is fighting for the baby. And I did so I did think this was interesting to go back to race thing. The book yeah. obviously does touch on race with the situation of Mirabelle or Mei Ling being adopted by the McCullas mm-hmm. uh, because she is a Chinese baby. Who and is being adopted by a white family. Exactly. Yeah. And so that becomes a huge dispute where, you know, the family's like, obviously we don't care, blah, blah, blah. But then of course the lawyer who is helping Bibi is mm-hmm. kind of like, well, what are you going to do to, you know, immerse this child in their, in their birth culture? And yeah. It's sure that they actually are raised with their culture. And the McCulloughs don't really have an answer. It's so interesting. And obviously spoiler alert, the McCulloughs win the court case, right? Yes. They win the court case despite all of these things I mean, and here's the thing. It's so hard to think of, you know, when you're in the situation, I feel like there were obviously pros and cons to both sides, to, yeah, to BB and to, and to the McCulloughs, because BB did leave her baby at the fire station. Yes. But then that goes into this whole other thing of there's no resources for single mothers. There's yes. no resources for women. First off, birth control isn't easily accessible. Childcare isn't affordable. It isn't easily no. accessible. I mean, this book is incredibly political in the way that we're looking at all these women's issues and the reasons that there's this domino effect that Bibi was not able to have 
birth control, was not able to have childcare or enough money to provide for her baby. And so her, her last resort was to leave her baby at a fire station and hope that someone would take care of her in the Mm -hmm. meantime, you know, and then going back and obviously the baby was already picked up. So there's so much going on in this book. And it's a wild ride. And so whenever people are like, I didn't get it. I was kind of bored. It did nothing for me. I'm like, how? There are so many things. And I also think it could be the the writing style too is a little, it's not my normal. No. The way I like. And I wanted to touch on that actually. It was funny because the way I described her writing was almost like if you've ever watched the movie Stand By Me, there's like this narration that goes on and it reminds me of that. I was going to say it kind of made me laugh to always read Mrs. Richardson. Me too. That, that's how Elena was described. All the t- It was Mrs. Richardson, Mr. Richardson. But I also think that that is a testament and that's kind of a the proof in the pudding of despite the like this is the way it was written and that's how the narrator sees them as this higher level of they should be referred to as Mr. and Mrs. all the time even in a narration it's very interesting because even those subtle things you know that I kind of started getting annoyed like just call her Elena at this point like who are you why are you calling her Mrs. Richardson but it's because of that social class that that's how she's seen to the world and to other people There's a part in the book where Elena says, you can call me Elena. And then Pearl continues to call her Mrs. Richardson. The narrator says that Pearl believed rightfully that Elena was kind of impressed by how she treated me so respectfully. She still continued to call me Mrs. Richardson. And then the book continues to call her Mrs. Richardson. There's an interesting parallel there where it's like, okay, well, yeah, Pearl continued to call her Mrs. Richardson because even though she told... Pearl, it's okay to call me Elena. Deep down, I think she was testing her. And so it's a similar thing with the the audience, essentially. This is a question that I think is actually kind of a leading question, but what would you have done in Mia's situation? Yeah, so I did struggle with, obviously, the idea of the whole thing because it was kind of like this behind-the-scenes surrogacy situation. Nothing about it was official in any way. No, yeah. Mia is put in this situation, obviously, where she is being injected with this man's sperm because she looks like his wife and agrees to carry their baby for them. The wife can't have children and they want their biological baby to look as much as possible like them. They pick Mia because of that. And, but she's just a young woman who doesn't even know her feelings. And it's a very interesting situation. So it's, it's not one that obviously I would see myself ever being in. So it's very hard to imagine what I would do in that situation. Yeah. But obviously she felt this strong motherly pull to keep Pearl. And then her brother dies. And that's, again, a domino effect that came into her life at once. You know, she's pregnant and then her brother dies. And so she feels like she's alone in this world besides the baby. And that baby can be her one person and her one friend, essentially. I think that she did what she thought was right in the moment. But obviously her way of life and her lifestyle and the way she had to live because of that decision, I don't necessarily think was right for Pearl and for Pearl's overall, not develop, I don't want to say development because she still turned out to be such a great, smart girl. But, you know, there, there's this element of not ever having normalcy in her life. And so 
coming into Shaker Heights, Pearl is just enamored with the lifestyle that these people live because it's something that she's never seen before. I finally get to have friends. I finally get to put down roots. I finally get all these things I've wanted. I don't think she knew she wanted it necessarily before. Right. And so she connects so much with Elena because to, to Pearl, Elena is the mother that she didn't get to have. Elena is the mother that cooks the family dinner and they all sit down and they have this beautiful grand house and Elena is involved in, you know, all of the parent stuff at school and Elena is that mom. Yes. And Mia is this free-spirited artist who yeah. wants to travel from city to city. Unbeknownst to Pearl though, Mia is doing this to escape and to get away from her past and to to constantly be on the move so that the pa- her past doesn't catch up with her ultimately she doesn't want the Ryans to come for Pearl she doesn't want the Ryans to come and take Pearl away from her because to her Pearl is her daughter yeah and in the book they do make it they make it very clear that Mia had never had sex with anybody that she'd never like seen a man naked and that she was very asexual she had no sexual desires Pearl was like her one true love Mm -hmm. and It's very, very interesting. So kind of to go back to the TV show, Mia is a very sexual person in the TV show. (laughs) And I found it interesting because I feel like it does fit her lifestyle a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But then we learn in the show that Mia was in a relationship with Pauline, the artist um, professor. Uh And so she was in a relationship with a woman And then she got pregnant, was with Pauline while she was pregnant. And then her brother Warren died. And then that's when she left everything. And so she had had this love and lost it. And so that's another domino effect. And I think that that's what the show did really, really well, was kind of filling in these gaps of the things that didn't really make sense in the book. That I didn't feel like it made sense that Mia, after all this time, still had never had sex with a man or had never pursued a relationship. It just didn't fit who she was to me. See, um, to me, it did. That's so funny that it didn't fit th- what you thought. Like, well, here's, the, here's the thing. Maybe at the time when I read the book in the first place, I was satisfied with that. But after seeing who she could be and how the team who built this show imagined yeah. her to be, it made more sense. So you might feel that way too after you've watched the show. Characterization and the details are just so good in the show. Yeah, so the reason I kind of feel I liked that she didn't have a man, I think was because in the book, they show every type of relationship, right? So they have Elena and her husband, a heterosexual relationship. They have Lexi and her boyfriend. Her boyfriend's black, Lexi's white. They have Pauline and Mal, they're lesbians. And then you have Mia, who doesn't, prescribed anything she just doesn't want anything i kind of actually was like that's interesting you're like you're right it's a very politically driven book but also it has every woman's issue in it and so it shows all these different relationships which i thought was really interesting but actually it's funny because the situation that i was asking you about wasn't even that one one i was talking about was what would you have done finding out that bb's child was adopted and you knew where it was to me I think that this was an impossible situation. There's no good outcome, right? Because uh, ultimately in the book, 
Bibi has to steal her baby away. You know, she mm-hmm. has to take her baby away after the McCullers win that court case. Yeah. And Bibi has to come in the middle of the night and take her baby and then leave America and go back to China because that's the only place she feels safe to yeah. raise her baby at this point. It is, like you say, an impossible situation. What would you do in Mia's shoes? How would you genuinely approach the situation? I genuinely do not know. But I kept trying to put myself in her shoes and I was like, there is no way I would have come out unscathed. It it was such an impossible situation because it's like, she wants to do right by Mirabelle because of the fact that I think she's projecting her situation onto them. She was a surrogate for the Ryans, but Mm -hmm. when it came down to it, which I have to say, the book didn't do a good job of showing that she felt any sort of maternal instinct. All of a sudden, she just wrote to them like, sorry, I lost the baby. I'm so ashamed. Bye. And I'm like, wait a minute. But like, you didn't even seem like you wanted to keep the baby. So that was like one of my complaints. I didn't feel like she had any maternal instinct. You, you didn't really, it didn't really show that she did, but that's fine. So then what ends up happening is she takes her baby and then travels around the country. Like you said, very nomadic situation. But then what ends up happening is once BB is like, oh my God, my baby. And she's like, oh, found your baby. I think the reason that she takes so strongly to BB's situation is, and there's a line that she keeps saying to uh, Pearl, that Mia keeps saying to Pearl. She keeps saying, blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh. And I think it's because the reason that she helps BB so much is because she's like, that baby came from BB, so it deserves to be with BB. Just like she felt like Pearl came from me, which is why she deserved to be with me. And so I felt like there right. was this parallel between the two. She was projecting, I want to help you get your baby because I wanted to keep mine. I also wanted to touch on, obviously, Izzy's character and who Izzy is. I honestly kind of see her as the main character and and the character that kind of weaves all the stories together because she kind of goes across the Richardsons and Mia's life. And so mm-hmm. Izzy is very headstrong, I love typical, her. you know, what you would expect from, from a high school girl who is like going through life and does not agree with anything her parents are saying or doing and just wants to rebel, who just wants to go out there and do something different. And truly believes that what she is doing and what she believes in is right. And Uh I do find it interesting. She connected with Mia so, so, so much. And in the show, Izzy is gay. Izzy realizes that she's gay. And they don't touch on that in the book at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt like this was a very good element to add to her character. Because she's so clearly misunderstood. She is in her cookie-cutter fits in a box perfectly family. And Izzy is this outlier. In the book, she's just kind of this outlier because she's headstrong and wants to rebel and and does all these other things. But adding this element that her sexuality does not fit in with what her parents think is right or what their lifestyle looks like. I thought that that was just so perfect. And obviously it, it, it matched very well with Mia having had also had a homosexual relationship as well previously Mm -hmm. that they were able to connect in that way. And that's why they got along so well is because Mia kind of saw a little bit of herself in Izzy, which she does in the book as well and kind of takes her under her wing and lets her help with, with the art stuff. And Izzy and even Lexi at times 
comes to Mia for guidance and for comfort. On the flip side, Pearl does the same thing with Elena. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's very interesting. It's this element of both families, both sets of children want what they can't have and what their normal isn't. You know, it's like when you go to go to someone else's house when you're a kid and they have the best board games that you don't have. And the best toys. Oh, yeah. And the best toys. And you're like, this house totally rocks and you never want to leave. But they think the same thing of your house. And you're sitting there like, but why? Izzy feels the same way about Pearl coming over and wanting to be like best buds with Elena and, and looks up to Elena as a mother. But the same thing is happening on the opposite side. And I think it's very, very interesting because obviously that grinds Elena gears that her daughters would go to Mia for anything. But Mia, it also grinds her gears that Pearl is seeking comfort in this cookie cutter lifestyle that Mia does not have, does not want in any way. And she's raised her to oppose that, to oppose the cookie cutter lifestyle. And Mia takes that as great offense to herself and to her lifestyle. And Pearl just wants some sense of normalcy to have a family and to be a normal child. But then, of course, from Izzy and Lexi and Moody and Tripp's perspective, it's not everything at all. It's cracked up to be. It's not what it looks like from the outside. So I, I found it very, very interesting. See, that's an interesting way to go if you're going to change the story a little bit, especially if you're going to make both of them gay. But Mm -hmm. here's what I will say. I love in the book, the the reason that she opposes her mom so much, and this is the reason I loved it, is because I kind of, I've seen this relationship before. I'm sure people are like, no, I've seen the, you know, a relationship where it's like, where the child is gay and the parents like, no, I don't accept that. Like, absolutely. But here's the thing. I really liked Izzy's character in the book because she was born really early. Her mom, she had to go on bed rest once Izzy was born 11 weeks early. And they were like, you have to watch out for jaundice. You have to watch out for anemia, all this stuff. And so it's like, she watched out for all of it. She treated Izzy like she was made of glass. When the kids got to go to the beach and play, Izzy wanted to play and Elena was like, no, you can't. She kept her in this little box because she's like, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. So whenever she would do something, just as a normal kid, Elena would be like, no, Izzy. It became this thing of like, God, it doesn't matter what I do, you're gonna oppose it. And the dad does mention that there is this similar spark. It's in Izzy. And it is so stifled in the mom because the mom used to be like that. He keeps saying, oh yeah, Elena used to be like this, but she's not anymore. The years have kind of changed her. But Izzy's like that now. It moved from this state of her mom being afraid of anything that Izzy did, breaking her. She became angry with her. And I think personally, it came from resentment over the fact that, you know, it took her so much to have Izzy to give birth to her to make sure she stayed healthy. But the truth was, Izzy was a healthy child. She should have let her be, but she wouldn't. Izzy was just in this box and she's like, I just need to break out of this. So that's, I think, why she started really rebelling. Her mom never accepted that spark in her, which is funny because it's in it's in her mom now. And so I think that's why the ending makes more sense in this case, because her mom did everything to keep Izzy safe and close to her. But then she had so much 
resentment and she was always picking on her was so angry towards her that Izzy leaves. I think that that's her mom's fear is my daughter is gone and she realizes how much of a fear it was. If you look at it, the truth is it makes you like both of them equally or almost like you don't know who's more right because Mm -hmm. like Pearl loves Elena and the other girls love Mia. But the truth is, if you look at it, once Mia explained to Pearl why they were going to have to leave again, because Pearl's like, I don't want to go, not until you explain to me why. And Mia says, that's fair. And she explains it. Pearl goes very willingly. She's like, okay, let's go. And she goes. But when it comes down to Elena having both of her daughters, she loses one of her daughters because her daughter wants to be with Mia. So the truth is, at the end of it, I do think that Mia was a better mom, to be honest. She was a better mom. Definitely more understanding of being different. And uh, she was a better mom in a way of looking out for your your child and their uniqueness and what they want to be and who they want to be. Whereas Elena, like I keep saying, that cookie cutter fits in this perfect image. Mm -hmm. And if your child does not, and in the show, there's this really, really great scene where Izzy doesn't want to wear the (laughs) shoes for their Christmas picture. And so Elena goes and like forces Izzy. It's this great scene. Reese Witherspoon deserves all the awards for playing Elena. (laughs) I swear to God, she yells at Izzy in front of the guy who's taking the pictures and in front of the whole family, like you're going to fucking put on those shoes and get in this. It's just a flawless performance by Reese Witherspoon. But then afterwards they pick the picture and Elena doesn't see it. Izzy was giving the finger in the picture (laughs) in the corner. And so then Elena in a fury goes and slices Izzy out of all of the pictures as if she's going to send it without Izzy in it. And Izzy ends up finding all the little slices of just herself in the trash can. And that's kind of the culmination for Izzy where she's like, my family doesn't want me. My mom doesn't want me. And I'm going to set fire to the house and go, which, so here's another thing kind of to wrap up the story and kind of the point of the story and and little fires everywhere in the book, obviously Izzy sets little fires around the house, you know, Mm -hmm. lights up, lights up Moody's bed, lights up Lexi's bed, lights up her bed. And no one's there, but Elena in the show. And I thought that this was interesting and I don't necessarily agree with it. Izzy has the can of gas and Trip and Moody and Lexi are trying to take it out of her hands and go, oh my God, no, like don't do it. And Izzy's like, I'm going to do it. And she's so mad. She's so angry. And then Elena comes in and she's screaming her head off again. Wonderful performance by Reese Witherspoon. And she's just like, fuck everything, whatever, and goes and lays down in bed. And Izzy, like, is screaming at her brothers and sister and is like, I don't want to have anything to do with this family. And she storms out and leaves without setting any fires. And then Trip, Moody, and Lexi, they're the ones who start all of the fires. They're like, well, fuck this. So that's what – I find it interesting because in the book there wasn't a lot of motive. But in in the show – you can kind of see that they are grasping what Izzy is saying. They're picking up what Izzy is putting down. That yeah. Izzy is right. That Elena is is trying to control their lives and make them fit in this perfect 
perfect picture of a family and they don't want anything to do with it anymore. And so they kind of all come to this realization at the same time and finish the job essentially for Izzy. But then of course they pull Elena out of her bed as the fire is is going on around them and, and bring her out. And at the very end, when fire marshal is like, where's Izzy? You know, she's the only one not here who probably did this. Elena says, I did it. And Elena confesses to setting the fire, even though she didn't at all. And I think, I think that this is what they, the show was trying to do that the, the book didn't do was she was finally realizing how fucked up everything she was trying to do to her kids, what was happening and that they were so angry that they set the house on fire and that it was her fault that they did that. It was her fault. It was her. She was the reason behind it. And it's a very interesting turn. And then again, at the very end of the book, Mia and Pearl leave. And it's kind of unclear on where they're going next. They're just going somewhere next and whatever. But in the show, they go to see Mia's parents so that Pearl can meet them and kind of start the family. And then Mia alludes to like, if you want to meet the Ryans, you can go meet your dad and and kind of see who they are. And we can figure it out basically is what Mia. And so the show I think is trying to wrap it up nicely in a, in a little bow. And the only, the only thing that doesn't kind of fit in with it is Izzy is gone. And in the show, we don't know where she's going. She's just on a bus, but in the book, she's going to find Mia and you know, she has a list of where she has the gallery and she has Mia's parents address. And so she kind of knows that that's where she wants to go. But in the show, she just hops on a bus and it's like, okay, where did Izzy go? Yeah. It's very interesting what they did differently in the show. And I, I'm Mm -hmm. excited for you to to watch it and kind of see what your thoughts are too, because I think that I really love the book and I loved everything that it, it did and, and, and talked about, but I think the show just took it to this next level and made it very powerful because of that. I'm looking forward to it too, but I, I really enjoyed the book. I will say it took me a little bit to get into because I was sitting there. I'm like, okay, okay. Like it took me a while for me to fully accept Celeste Ng's way of writing because it was played very much like a show or a movie where you're in a room following the conversation with one set of people and then without it switching chapters or anything changing to the next paragraph it switches to other people in the same room and a different conversation going on it's it's a very jarring I saw it as omnipresent the author is very much like I am everywhere so it was just very interesting Well, and at first, you're kind of like, okay, this is a book about normal people. What dramas could there possibly be? But I really like that because, you know, I come from kind of a cookie cutter white family too, you know, and, and it's interesting to me because obviously we didn't have any drama like this in our lives, but we did, there was some drama, you know, and you don't necessarily think of perfect family being involved in so many different things that are controversial and very 
just interesting, you know, that they are, they kind of have their hands in everything. And that's Mm -hmm. what makes the book so interesting is that on the outside, don't judge a book by its cover, ultimately, that, you know, you think that the Richardsons and Elena are this one type of people, that they're this perfect cookie cutter white family, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of issues brewing underneath the surface. Oh, for sure. And then you see Mia and Pearl, and you're like, oh, they're this nomadic, very free spirited, doing whatever they want. But then you learn about the reasons why and the past that's following them for sure it's interesting because it's not just elena and mia it's everyone in shaker heights so the truth is this book is exposing the fact that this picture perfect cookie cutter community is actually not as great as it appears mrs mccullough no one knew not even her one of her best friends for her entire life knew that she had lost seven babies right like she didn't know that and they were they started looking into adoption because she was she had an inhospitable womb and her husband had limited mobility sperm you know or whatever and then you have Bibi who's working in this restaurant and you don't realize that she actually was the one who put her baby outside of a, a fire station so it really right, and she's is the one that's serving you at this restaurant and you don't yes. even imagine that that everybody has the story this this backstory and that it it's presented to you in a certain way that you would walk into this town and be like wow everyone has it together look at these beautiful homes oh, it's and, so wonderful. And the, t- the test scores at school and and everyone gets into an ivy league college and yeah. whatnot then there's all this this drama. I mean, we didn't even touch on Lexi having Mm -hmm. an abortion and putting Pearl's name on the form at the abortion clinic. Yeah. And like, she didn't want her mom to find out or she didn't want anybody to find out. No one. Yeah. And then you have Brian who doesn't even know and he's going to an Ivy League school and he's captain of something, but secretly got his girlfriend pregnant and he didn't want to come off as the stereotypical black guy that knocked up his girlfriend like his words so that's the thing is it really does expose that no matter how picturesque a a town may seem or a community may seem there is always something underneath and the family is never as perfect as it seems to be so it's like izzy while yeah she was the black sheep of her family she was perfectly normal Right. Well, and, and I think it's also that the the concept of, of normal and that what this whole town is trying to achieve is unattainable. That oh, it's, yeah. It's everyone's concept of normal, you know, is is so different. And and I think it's, it's interesting because even I think back to like growing up and thinking things like, oh, why can't my family be like this or more normal? Why can't I feel these things and be more normal? But then you grow up and you realize that there, this concept of normal, what even is that? You know, there's no real, you, you can't fit into a box because everybody is unique as they are. Yeah. And that's what's important for us as a society. That's why we're friends. That's why yeah. we, we like each other is because we, we're different and, but we have a lot of the same interests, but we still have, we have different backstories. We have different lives. Oh yeah. And that's what makes you, you, and that's what makes me, me. And it's, it's important. Yeah. We're two people who loved Disney and loved dogs and started working at Starbucks and almost got fired for singing Frozen too much. And we found each other. And then we loved books and we started this podcast. And I think that that's what it is. is We are normal. Like everyone is normal. We're just not ordinary.
Good discussion. Yeah. I yeah, highly recommend this book. If you're just looking for a book that has real conflict and real people trying to work through it, this is your book. Yeah, because the writing style is a little interesting and did take a little bit to get into or to appreciate, I do think the show did a really great job. They really stuck to the book as well as they could, Mm -hmm. and everything that they added was only to the benefit of the story and not to be frivolous or to make it more convoluted. It really, the whole thing was beautifully done, and I would be shocked if Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington don't get Emmy nominations because Mm -hmm. they were both flawless in bringing out these characters. We got to talk about when you watch this, the last episode and Reese Witherspoon just screaming her head off. And I mean, I was shook. I almost started crying. She really scared me. It was, it was very like when your mom yells at you, you know, and you're like, yeah. oh my God, like she's so mad. Yeah. And it it was just so real and so honest with what the situation was. And so I would be absolutely shocked if they don't score some nominations for next award season because it was just flawless performances from both of them. So yeah. overall, this story is a, is a beautiful story that needs to be told because like we, we mentioned earlier, it is very political and it really makes you think. It makes you think about all these, these aspects of people's lives and what would you do in, in these situations? And I think that that's important. I think that we need more stories that make us think. Question your morality. It questions your moral compass. They, they make totally. you sit there and be like, oh my God, what if... What if, what if I found something out like this? Would I tell the person or would I not? Go read the book. Series is available on Hulu, starring Carrie Washington, Reese Witherspoon, and Joshua Jackson, if anyone ever watched Mighty Ducks. He's so good. Is he good? He's so good. So good. Well, no, I think of him as uh, Pacey from Dawson's Creek. I never watched Dawson's Creek. You never watched Dawson's Creek? I never watched Dawson's Creek. I know him as Mighty Ducks. That's so funny. Uh, like being in Mighty Ducks. So I'm, yeah. Um, yeah, guys, go go watch it. Go read it. Uh, honestly, just go read a book and talk to us. And again, tell us what books you're reading. I want to yeah. know. Fun fact, May is Get Caught Reading Month. So start tagging us in your pictures. Do hashtag get caught reading. Um, we would love to see where you're caught reading. Obviously, there's not a lot of options nowadays, but I always think like, what's the craziest <laughs> place that you could get caught reading? I was reading. I was at Trader Joe's and I had to wait in line to get into Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. I pulled out a book because why not? So I'm standing there reading and the line's moving ahead and I'm like, oh shit, and like running <laughs> up. But, um, you know, the people behind me, six feet behind me are mad that I haven't moved up the next six feet or whatever. But, and they um, can't tell you because they, they have can't to be six feet away from you. Exactly, exactly. And honestly, it's better that there's more distance between people than just six feet. So Anyway, May is Get Caught Reading Month. Tell us where you're you're reading, if there's any unique areas in your house or Mm -hmm. your porch or your general proximity that if you're reading on a walk or whatever. But yeah, exciting. Remember to like, rate, and subscribe. Have a great week. Go read a book. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.